That's good, right? So Colossians 1, 15 through 16 was our memory verse. And uh, as uh, Allison said, I was a little skeptic at the beginning of the week that these, could, these kids could memorize the verse, mainly because I struggled to memorize the verse. And, uh, but they did a great job learning it. And, uh, and so we want to take some time. Now, I know some of you parents are here, and uh, we want to say thank you to you for allowing your kids to be here all week and allowing us the opportunity uh, to minister to them and serve them. So I encourage you, get your bulletin out. There are five points in our message this morning. Uh, and also in our kids' bulletin this morning, today's family worship. We have our kids in here. Uh, today, the uh, five points are also in your kids' bulletin as well. So you have blanks, kids. That means you got to pay attention. you got to get a pen or a pencil in front of you. Take some notes. And so as I was thinking through this, and so each point this, this morning is going to be uh, point number one was Monday, two, Tuesday, three, Wednesday. I think you get the idea of what they were learning. And uh, so we had some great Bible teachers that taught through these five points. And so we kind of want to give you an overview uh, this morning of that. So Colossians 1, 15 through 16 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So it doesn't give us the name of who He is, does it? It just says He is. There's an assumption there that you know who He is. It says he was the firstborn of all creation. Now understand that this doesn't mean uh, that, like birth order, the firstborn over all creation. It's more the idea of the prominence or the dominance over all creation. So he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. Visible or invisible, right? Okay, and so we think about who is this he it's talking about. And so I thought of another verse in John, uh, John chapter 1. So if you want to turn, you can, but I'm going to read it for you real quick. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. So we get this verse in Colossians, he doesn't tell us who he is. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So again, it's kind of a parallel passage here. Colossians says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. It goes on to say he is the creator of all things visible or invisible. It goes on to say whether rulers or dominions or authorities or dominions, I think I fought. I got that out of order. But who is he? And then you turn over here to John in this parallel passage, and again it says, in the beginning was the Word. And so now we're not even using the word He at this point. It's using the word, Word, right? Word capitalized, speaking of someone. In the beginning was the Word. Verse 2 says, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And so understanding these two passages is it's talking about the same person. So who might this one person be who created everything, visible or invisible? Jesus, our kids are so smart. So in John chapter 1, verse 14, gives us a little more understanding. It says, and the Word, all right, so the, the statement earlier was, in the beginning was the Word. So this person that it's referencing, the same person that's referencing in Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the 
He is the visible image of the, the invisible God. Who is this person? Verse 14 says, this person, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So our kids have already answered this question for us. Who is the he it created us and all things? Who is the he? Jesus. Jesus. He is the word. He is the flesh. He is the visible God, the creator of all things. And so your first point in your outline is this relationship, the relationship that began, all right? So the one word began, the relationship began, all right? So we believe in God's holy word. We believe in the inerrancy of scripture. We believe that God's word is the authority for our life. And we believe in Genesis chapter 1, what does the beginning of the Bible say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created all things. And so your students learned this week in Bible school that God is the creator of all things. And we, we talked a lot, or a lot of the theme was about the stars and the galaxies and how big it is and how big God must be. And that God created all the worlds and the galaxies and the stars, and he created you. In Genesis 1, it talks there about how God created man in his own image. But God created mankind, and he created us for a relationship, for fellowship. So number one, the relationship began. That's what we talked about Monday. Tuesday, we talked about the second one, if you're filling the blank, the relationship broken. And so uh, how many of you parents got one of those uh, music CDs that had all the music on uh, from Bible school? How many of you got one of those CDs? I think if you still want one, we could sell you one. But there was a song on there that, that uh, talks about this. It said, sin messed everything what? Up. Sin messed everything up. All right, so God created us in Genesis 1 and 2, it talks about that God created us in his image, and he created us for fellowship, and that's where it began. But then the relationship was broken in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve in the garden. God said, don't eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eat of anything else. And they had perfect fellowship, God their creator, and mankind, Adam and Eve. And yet, the serpent deceived Eve, didn't, didn't he? Eve ate of the fruit. Eve gave the fruit to Adam, and Adam ate of the fruit as well. And because of sin, the relationship that had began was now what? Broken. Relationship was broken. The third one there on your outline says the relationship promised. And so they learned about really uh, three of the instances in Scripture where God promised that he was going to send someone or something that would, would fix the problem. So this restoration was promised, or the, the relationship, there was a promise given. And we looked at a couple there in their outlines. They looked at Isaiah 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself gave you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, God came to the prophet Isaiah and said, there will be a boy born of a virgin. The promise of Jesus. He came to Joseph. Remember when Mary was great with child and came to Joseph and said, hey, Joseph, 
uh, I, I know what you're thinking about Mary, but what you're thinking is not true. This is of God. God sent and conceived a child in her through the power of the Holy Spirit. She's been faithful to you. She's been loyal to you. And, and she is going to give birth to the person who will take away the sins of the world. And you're going to call him Jesus. Then you see, after Jesus was born, the story of Simeon. Remember, Simeon was in the temple. Simeon was old guy, and he was waiting. God had revealed to Simeon that he was going to see the promise of the Savior, Jesus, before he died. And when he entered the, when Joseph and Mary and Jesus entered the temple, and Simeon saw this young child, it says he lifted him up and says, "God has revealed to me what has been promised: Jesus, the Savior." So God created us for relationship in Genesis, and in Genesis 3, because of sin, that relationship was broken, but God promised that he would fix the relationship. Number four, the relationship was restored. The relationship was restored. But how was it restored? I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read the first few verses of 1 Corinthians 15. So again, let's kind of just think through this again. The relationship began in the, in the garden when God created mankind and he created us for a relationship. And the relationship was broken in Genesis chapter 3 because Adam and Eve sinned and they did what, was, what they weren't supposed to do. And so the relationship was broken. But there was a promise given uh, that God was still in control. God was not surprised that Adam and Eve messed up. God was not left wondering, what am I going to do now? God had a plan all along, and so he promised, I'm going to send a Savior, someone to restore the broken relationship. Number four, if you're filling out your outline, the relationship restored. It was restored through, as Dave already quoted, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the promise that he gave Isaiah, the promise he gave Joseph, the promise he gave to Simeon was fulfilled in the gift of Jesus Christ. So how can my relationship with God be restored? 1 Corinthians 15 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also received and in which you stand. And so Paul here is writing and he's talking. And so let's just kind of unpack this first verse here. I declare to you or I preach to you or I tell you the gospel. What does the gospel mean? It simply means good news. So Paul is saying here, I preached to you, or I taught to you, I told you, I declared to you the good news. What, what did that do for them? It says that they received it in the end of verse 1. What does that mean to receive it? It really simply means that they accepted it or that they believed it. They believed the message of the good news, and because they believed the message of the good news that Paul preached to them, what was the result of them believing and receiving the message, the good news? Well, verse 2 says by which also you were saved. But what does it mean to be saved? Because that's like this Bible word, and maybe we don't know what. I remember uh, when I was probably about 10 or 11, I remember uh, walking around uh, outside our church. Of course, my parents were always at church, and I was always stuck at church. And so we were walking around with some friends, and we found some uh, nine-year-old kid uh, that was around our age, and we just gave him the gospel. I remember sitting on the side of the curb and saying, uh, 
have you ever been saved? And he said, yes. It's like, oh, good, my work here is done. Tell me about how you got saved. And he told me some story about he fell out of a boat or something and someone saved him out of the water. It's like, that's not what it means to be saved. Well, I guess technically that's what it means to be saved, but that's not the Bible definition of what it means to be saved, right? So what is the Bible definition? What does it mean to be saved? Because it says here very clearly that Paul gave them the gospel, which was the good news. They believed the good news. They received the good news. And because they believed and received the good news, they were saved. So maybe we ought to define what saved means, correct? Let me give you some definitions, some synonyms for saved. It means to be redeemed. It means to be delivered. It means to be pardoned. The last word I want to give you, which is the word that you just wrote on blank number four, it means to be restored. So what Paul is saying is that I gave you the good news, you believed and received the good news, and because you believed and received the good news, you've been restored. Well, what did we just say that was, has been broken? It was the relationship between me and God, and because if I place my faith in the good news, the gospel, then what's going to happen? I'm going to be restored. My relationship with God, my creator, who created me in his image to worship him, to love him, to serve him, to give my life to him, that relationship can be restored if I do what? If I believe and I receive the message of the gospel, the good news. Doesn't that sound like good news to you? Well, then maybe we need to define what good news is. Let's look at it because Scripture defines it for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So he again says in verse 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which which I also received. Okay, so now he's going to replay the message that he's given them, that they've placed their faith in, that they've received, which led them to salvation, restored relationship with God their Creator. Here it is. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That he was buried. That he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel. That's the good news. It's very simple, isn't it? So what, what are, Paul is saying, you believe the good news, and because you believed and received the good news, you, you receive salvation, a restored relationship with God, your Creator. And so now Scripture has defined for us what the good news is. What am I supposed to believe? I'm supposed to believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I'm supposed to believe that he was buried because he was dead. And I'm supposed to believe that three days later, he victoriously came back to life. Do you believe that? And Paul is saying, if you believe that, if you place your faith of hope for eternity and forgiveness of sins in the gospel, the good news, then you will be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. And that's what your kids got to hear on Thursday night. And Thursday night, they, in their own Bible studies, in their age-appropriate Bible studies, they were given a card to fill out, I want to do that today, or I don't want to do that today, or I don't know what I'm doing today. And they would circle. So we took out 11 kids out of their classrooms, and several of us got to go one on two. I had two first grade students that I got to, to go over the gospel, the good news with, to make sure they understood this. And, and you know what I asked them as we sat out there in the atrium with those two first grade boys? I said, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? 
Yes. Do you believe that he was buried because he was dead? Yes. Do you believe that he is now alive and in heaven? Yes. What were they doing? They were receiving the good news of the gospel. Isn't that amazing? And my guess this morning is that some of you sitting in here, whether you're probably older than that first grader, right? But if a first grader can understand the good news of the gospel and humble himself and say, I need Jesus. And why don't, why don't you do that today? Because my guess is my assumption here this morning is that some of you are still in that other stage where your relationship is still broken. The relationship has not been restored. You're counting on some other way that you're going to get to heaven. Some other way this relationship is going to be restored. And let me tell you, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus. He is the only way. It's not the Baptist church. It's not Hallmark Baptist church. It's not any other church or denomination or any other person. Acts says salvation is only in one name, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. The gospel is simple. The good news is simple. But you must place your faith in it. You must for yourself say, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And in that statement, you know what you're doing? We just sang this song, uh, Over the Moon, right? Did you, did you see the A, B, and C's in that? So me saying, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, you know what you're doing in that statement? Admitting you're a sinner. He died for my sins because guess what? I'm a sinner. The, the B that we just sang about is believe that Jesus died. The C then says confess. Romans tells us believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you can have salvation. So let's move on to the next one, number five. That relationship continues. The relationship continues. So it wasn't long before Jesus would be arrested and taken into the upper, or taken and be crucified when he has this discussion in John chapter 14 with his disciples. So he's mentally preparing them for what's about to happen. They've been hanging out with Christ. They've been watching his miracles. They've been learning. They've been sitting under him as their teacher, their rabbi for the last three and a half years or so. And now he's preparing them for his soon departure, his soon death his burial, his resurrection, and then his ascension to heaven. And this is what he says in John 14, verse 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So salvation... Believing in the good news and the gospel gives me a restored relationship with God. And guess what? That restored relationship with God lasts forever. It's eternal life. And Jesus goes on to say, or Thomas asked Jesus, Lord, we not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? 
John 14, 6, what did Jesus say? I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, through the person of Jesus Christ. So let's look through these bullet points. They're on your out, outline here and just kind of take, take time for you this morning to process through this. The God who created everything wants a relationship with us. Sin messed everything up, but God is still in control. God had sent his son Jesus to be the savior of the world. Jesus gave his life to be your savior. The, the question that all of us need to answer this morning, have you received the good news of the gospel? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? He died for you. And as a, a, a child whose first grader can simply understand, humble themselves, is that what you need to do today? You see, all these steps, the relationship began. God, God did that. The relationship was broken. We did that. God promised restoration. He did that. The relationship restored. He did all the work. The truth is, I don't have to be good enough to earn salvation. Aren't you thankful for that? Because if you're like me, you mess up a lot. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, y'all were going to be quiet on that one, I know. It's, it's very simple. Because of sin, our relationship was broken. But God created a way for that relationship to be restored. And your relationship with God, your creator, can be restored by simply placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And you need to wrestle with the question, with the idea, with the thought, with the reality this morning, have you ever placed your faith in Jesus? And if you've never done that, here in a moment, we're going to continue in worship, and Dave's praise team is going to come up in a minute, and we're going to continue in worship. But during that time of worship, it's an opportunity for you to respond to what God is speaking to you about today. And so if God has revealed to you this morning, you know, you know, I've never had that relationship restored. I've never had the opportunity, or I've never taken the opportunity to place my faith in Jesus, to admit I'm a sinner to believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for my sins and to confess my sins and place my faith in him. Here, here's what I want you to do this morning. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to continue in worship. And if that's you this morning, and God has revealed that to you today, what I want you to do this morning, if you want that relationship restored, there's going to be staff pastors standing up here this morning. And if you would like to have a restored relationship with God, I'm going to simply ask you to come forward in a minute shake their hand and tell them, I want my relationship restored. They would love to show you through the Bible exactly how you can know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm going to close your eyes for a moment this morning as we prepare for our time of invitation. And as your eyes are closed for a minute, I just want to ask real quickly this morning, would anyone say this morning, John, I realized this morning that my relationship with God is still broken. I've never placed my
my faith in the good news of the gospel. If that's you this morning, can I tell you right now that this room is filled with people who are praying for you right now? As scary as it might be for you to walk forward in a minute to tell someone about that, it will be the best decision that you've ever made. And trust me, we want to celebrate that with you. So I'm going to ask real quick this morning, is anyone here to say this morning, John, I've never placed my faith in the hope of the gospel. I'm still separated. My relationship is not restored with God, my creator. If that's you this morning, would you just put your hand up for a moment? I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. Just put your hand up. Put it up and leave it up for a moment as I look around the audience. I just want to pray for you. Anybody like that this morning? Just put your hand up. See one or two hands. Another one right there. Thank you. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. I'm not, I'm not going to call you out. Just put your hand up for a moment. I just want to make eye contact with you. Thank you up there. I just want to make eye contact with you for a moment. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. Thank you. And again, in a moment, we're going to stand after I pray. If you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know that you need a restored relationship, I'm going to ask you to come walk down and, and shake one of the hands of these staff pastors. They will introduce you to someone, or they themselves will lead you through prayer. Maybe this morning, God just is just kind of tugging at your heart. You'd like to come forward and pray this morning. If, if you would like to come pray and have a time alone with God here at the altar, then just simply come forward. Kneel at the altar. We'll give you some time to just be alone with God. But if you would like for us to pray with you, just come shake your hand. We would love to pray with you today. God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. Lord, we're thankful today that you were never without a plan that you always had a plan for Jesus to restore that relationship that was broken. And I pray for those in here this morning that have, have not placed their faith in the gospel, that they would do that today. Lord, that they would get up out of their seat in a moment and that they would come down here and seek you. Lord, bless this last few minutes of worship. Be with those who are going to be prepared to get baptized, those who are coming forward to Unite with our church today, Lord, and we just want to celebrate that. We want to thank you for the gift of Jesus. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you would, just to stand with us. The spirit of worship, we're going to continue in worship this morning with the song, I Give You My Heart. And, and I trust that you would just spend this, this few minutes really reflecting on these words. God, I give you my heart as we sing.